Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm doing super. Have I uh, taken an occasion to brag recently on our production quality? Because it's because of our producer. We've got, listen. And our sound engineer. I I challenge you to find another podcast, watches podcast. <laughs> okay. Let's be clear. It's like, I don't know if you want to make that challenge. Another watches podcast that's produced as well as this one. And it's because we do it in flight. We're just that polished of people. Yeah. You, you know, but polished but, of people. Polished. Yeah. We're, polished. We're, we're that highly polished. Polished. I like that one better. <laughs> Yeah, I challenge you. Find another Watches podcast that does what we do. We're the best. Well, I think being the most unique doesn't necessarily make us the best. Because nobody does what we do. And that, there might be a reason for that. I think we're both unique in our very ununique way. And, and also, we just, you know what, we're, there's, a little bit of, there's a little bit of love here. You might not even notice but listen to other podcasts, you guys. It's it's like home cooking. I love a lot of these people <laughs> that I'm talking about right now, <laughs> like genuinely. But I don't. I, I'm pretty proud of what we've done here. We've done a cool thing, and here we are on episode 752. Can you even believe it? <laughs> uh, no, I'm doing really well, Andrew. I um, I've got a trip coming up before too long a mushroom uh, no uh an airplane um and you w- w- actually we need to talk about that because we're gonna have to figure out what we'll we do can one yeah when i'm gone for a week in denver let's just can one That's colorado easier. i'm gonna go to denver for three days to watch <laughs> down under <laughs> <laughs> to watch the first two rounds of the ncaa tournament That'll which is a hard weekend will be a first for me and then I am going to go directly from Denver to Winter Park. So if you're going to be at Winter Park. Or the NCAA tournament. Or the NCAA tournament in Denver, hit me up. I'll be in Denver the 18th, 19th, and 20th. No, 17th, 18th, and 19th. And then I will be in Winter Park on the 20th, 21st, and 22nd. If you are going to be in either of those places on those days. Don't call me. Hit me up. We'll uh, get a toddy at the lodge or a $20 beer at Pepsi Arena. That's what it is. I, that's, I don't know. I, I, I tried to think of something clever, and there's just nothing. Like, that's eh, a $20 beer. <laughs> Andrew, how are a you? beer's beard. Uh, I'm good. Uh, as we were talking about um, the special recipe of this episode, mm-hmm. I was thinking I made uh, spaghetti last <laughs> night. Okay, it's a little. That's a little. Okay, it's a little on the point on the nose, but all and right. I was thinking. So what? The, this is something I've been thinking about, and and I made the spaghetti, and I I did some different things. Okay. I roasted heads of garlic ahead of time. Oh. I did a bucket load of chopped fresh basil and I added it at like the way you add hops into beer. Like a a little, a a literal bucket. 
like probably a full cup. Okay. Well, yeah, well you could have a cup sized bucket and added it at different periods during the cook. Mm-hmm. Right. The way, the same way you do hops because of the acids in it, they dissolve mm-hmm. and infuse their flavors at different mm-hmm. rates and with different cook times, it changes the flavor. I do the same thing with garlic. Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah, I did the same thing. I added the, I added raw and roasted garlic at different increments. And, and my goal was, um, what I found is that my like kind of like somewhere between ragu, not ragu brand, but like ragu mm-hmm. sauce and, um, bolognese sauce mm-hmm. is like, it's my, my white people spaghetti sauce. Sure. Yeah. general mix it always tastes the fucking same mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what i do and i was like okay i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna like i'm gonna i'm gonna up this significantly i'm gonna, I'm gonna put an extra hour of work into this in the way of roasting garlic i'm gonna pay more attention to this pan i'm gonna add in intervals it tastes the fucking same yeah yeah there was absolutely no change and it got me thinking about the hateful eight, you know, the scene where he's talking about the stew and he tastes the stew. And when Sam Jackson comes into the, into the little shed and he eats the stew and he's like, you know, I've had this stew. My mama's stew tastes exactly the same every time. Like whatever her name is, her stew tastes exactly the same every time. It doesn't matter whose stew it is. They all taste unique. And exactly the same. And, but different, right? You yeah. know, you can differentiate between two people's stews. And I kind of just came to an acceptance. I'm like, that's my spaghetti sauce. That's your spaghetti. Sure. That's the way it tastes. It doesn't matter what I do. I even toasted uh, <laughs> I tasted toasted fennel ahead of time. I toasted off some garlic and then removed it to put it back. I put in the extra effort t- to change it. It tasted exactly the same. Yeah, I think the bottom line is you get so... A, A, you've got these big flavors, and the big flavors really are complementary, right? So you get the sweetness of the tomatoes. You get that big acidity of the tomatoes. You get that um, garlic. Garlic is garlic, right? You, you know, you know, but roasted garlic is different. It's sweeter. I, it's I know, deeper. But and you're I thought s- that adding it at different times in conjunction with that no. spicy, hot, bright. It, it did. You, it man. made no difference. Andrew, have you uh, have you played with puttanescas, like making pasta puttanesca? Not that great. Black. I, I think you dig it, man. It's a really fun way to make pasta, and I think you dig it. You should try that. I mean, I've, I've, I've done it, but I haven't okay. played with it at, at great length. I'm a big, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Uh, it's my favorite way to eat spaghetti now. In, in the style of whores. I think that's what Putinesca means. <laughs> I, th- I think you're right. <laughs> but it's my go-to, like, easy. Yeah. I know both the kids will eat it. Yeah. I also, instead of, I usually make French bread. Like, from scratch, French mm-hmm. bread. Um earlier in the day, have it do a compound butter, garlic butter it. Um, this time we had some leftover frozen white bread loaves like that you get in a five pack at mm-hmm. the grocery store. 
Um, and we have leftovers that some of them were, are years old because every year Sam makes an enormous, we're talking like full sheet pan cinnamon roll, the family tradition for Christmas. So there's like stray one or two loaves of this white bread. And I was like, let's fucking make white bread and do the same thing. Man, that's so much better than any loaf of bread I've ever made. It's bullshit. So anyway, I made that and the kids were obviously very happy and I was like deeply disappointed. I was like, I put in so much more effort. It's exactly the same. I didn't make the bread and you love it more. So that's how I am. Uh, I watched your children. You did this week, um, it w- which was fine, right? I had five kids in the house. It was fine. Um, this week, but Why did you do that this week? Did I work? Yeah, I think you were in between shifts, uh, and so I do believe you were here, but you were in your night night time. But I watched your kids, and your wife was very concerned about your youngest. Because oh no, it was Tuesday. I worked on accident. He's got a reputation. No, I think it was Saturday. He's got a reputation. Your son, your he youngest son. Does. He's a bit of an animal. And I had him for, I think, two and a half hours. And he basically sat on my lap and peacefully watched TV the whole time. And I think your wife was so mad at me about that. Yeah, he won't He won't let me even come near him. Yeah. He is not a fan. <laughs> it's And it's totally spiteful because he loves me. Yeah, yeah. But he, if he knows I want something, there is nothing in this world that will per, that will cause him to let me have it. I want to snuggle you. Fuck off, Dad. <laughs> I I will die before I let you have that. Well, in any event, today, ten minutes in, we are talking about watches. We've we, gotten there. We've gotten there. I appreciate your patience at home with us decompressing from our weeks here we are we're talking about watches and andrew you came up with a good one this week Mm -hmm. do you do you mind telling the folks what Uh, we're going to talk about i am going to introduce it so today we're talking about watches with ugly duckling syndrome Hmm. say more and for those of you who are unfamiliar with the children's story of the ugly duckling Something that you initially look at and you're just, it's just not there. And I think maybe a more appropriate for this context is, is the uh, pop culture ugly duckling as referenced in every nineties and early two thousands teen movie of, Oh yeah. For some reason these are foaming up. I forgot to warn you. Um, It's fine. It's, it's fine. It, uh, yeah. W- when we open a beer, it for some reason explodes. They haven't been shaken and they are chilled. Uh, I have no answer. Maybe it's cold IPA thing. Anyway, uh, in the, every the 90s, girl. the nerdy girl who takes off her glasses and suddenly becomes hot as an analogy to something that just, just suddenly the light switch turns on for you. You see it and you dig it. Mm-hmm. It was always there, but you just, you didn't quite get it maybe it's one of those like uh you remember those posters that like you had to cross your eyes and suddenly sure. the image appeared maybe that's it. sure i don't know what those are called so that's not what we can call this but we're going to call this ugly ducklings because it's watches that exist in the space and in the world that they got made and they're real and there's some there's something there and we didn't see it at first 
and then slowly or maybe just suddenly gain an appreciation for it. And I think there's a lot of watches out there for all of us who were we were maybe not repulsed by, but also like, mm, nah, nah, it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> and then, and then they take their glasses off, and you're like, fuck. Oh, hey, Lanny Boggs, what up? <laughs> um, I don't because I was thinking about things like just watch people things. I was like, there's a lot of watches that I like that I didn't used to like. Yeah. And, and a lot of the watches that I like, and, and, and I'm going to start with my first pick, and I'm going to start right away. We're not going to do any more introduction into this. The <laughs> first watch that we're diving into, uh, kind of early on in both of our watch journeys, you showed me the Doxa Pro. For those of you unfamiliar, it's the orange Doxa. Yeah. And, you, and I, I remember you saying this because I was like, you're a fucking idiot. That doesn't make sense. You said anyone who likes watches eventually likes this watch. I was like, no, you're stupid. I like nothing about this watch. I, I almost feel like you're complimenting me or, 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 mm. or something like that. I'm acknowledging your insight. Fantastic. It's certainly not a compliment. <laughs> And you mean it in the worst possible way. 100%. <laughs> I, if this could be derogatory, I would make it so. Uh, and. <clears throat> I've totally, I've totally knocked you off your game, Andrew. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just coming to terms with what I'm about to do. <laughs> you were right. Yes. This is my first really good example of an ugly duckling for me. Because I think for me, I'm a boring watch guy. Mm. I, I Like the more boring, the more better. And I don't mean boring in, in, in like Bauhaus, like one hand, although I do like me a one hand watch. <laughs> I do like that. But I like simplicity and I like the elegance that comes with really deliberate, simple decisions. I mean, to, to make stoics. Yes. Yeah. Yes. To make a cushioned case diver with a big UFO bezel. Yeah. To, to be able to do that in a way that's kind of like not notable is really special. Mm -hmm. And I think Doxa set the tone for that. You know, we see, we see iterative similar watches and, you know, the first watch that comes to mind for me is the monster. Yeah. Right. This, that, which is a clear, clearly inspired by this watch. Yeah. Right. It's, simple but it made it bigger and it didn't need to be bigger doxa went as big as you could possibly go with this this just little bit of an oddity and i totally dig it and i have i'm, I'm kind of like in that space where where the 300t is on the table for me 
not exactly there, but I'm really close. Sure. And I'm really struggling between the pro and the orange and the Caribbean and the blue. Tough choices. It's a super tough choice because the Caribbean is the is is frankly for for me and my general taste. That's that's an outlier, right? That's a flyer. Yeah. It's blue and it's a doxa, which is just kind of like it's just a little bit out there for me in the way that I like to enjoy watches. Sure. But the pro and the orange is just it's doing something for me. Yeah. The, the, the professional, I think, is sort of like the doxa, I think is fair. It's to the say. doxa. It's the Dirk Pitt doxa. Mm-hmm. It is, it's the one um, that I think Rick Murray really had his eyes on when he revived this brand. And I, I th- you know, there's something about it, right? It, there's something about the legacy i think has a big part part of it but there's something about that watch that is like yeah you're eventually going to get there at some point you're going to see that watch and be like you know i could i could rock a doxa and maybe part of it's the story and the not the legacy but the story behind the story that creates the legacy right because if if a brand is 10 days old or a hundred years old, that doesn't really impact me as much as why. Well, and that's a real thing, right? Yeah. It's why all these brands come up with these stories that, you know, like this is a thing, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, and, and, and it's, and it's also why that sometimes feels, you know, uh, insincere um, because, yeah. It's one of those things that you can't fake. No, you really can't. And I, and I like, I love the army, the Doxa army. Sure. That's a I, really I, cool I love watch. I, that whole line. And, and, and I got to say, I'm a shark hunter guy through and through. I like the shark hunter a lot. And when you showed me this and I saw the shark hunter, I was like, okay, I can get down with that. It wasn't the 300 T that I had an issue with. It was the professional that mm-hmm. I had an issue with. So I was like, that's a an orange watch. <laughs> and I've been told that you should never wear a hat with more personality than you. Mm-hmm. And I, I would equate that also to a watch. Like, I'm not a Richard Meal guy. I'll never be a Richard Meal guy. Even if I had the money to be a Richard Meal guy. That's just not me. And that, that watch has more personality than I do. I would argue that the professional perhaps has more personality than I do, but I think I'm okay with that. I think I'm okay with wearing that 10 inch Stetson Mm -hmm. in the way of the Doxa professional. It's a really cool watch, man. It, it, it is. I'm glad you've come around. It's my, it's, she took her glasses off and I'm totally, (laughs) totally into it now. Or maybe I took my glasses off. Maybe that's what it is. I took my glasses off and she's suddenly ready for me. That's maybe it. more appropriate. Maybe I'm the ugly duckling in this scenario. So uh, my first watch is a weird one because it, all your watches are weird <laughs> ones. Jeez, dude. <laughs> so this is this is a watch that I can't afford. Um, it, it's it's a watch that's really just not in consideration for me. But it's a, a watch that at first I thought, nope. Yeah, not at all. Don't get it. 
And then much like your experience with the Doxa, just over time, it grew and grew and grew on me. I tried one of these on recently and I, it was instantly like, yep, I get it. So the, my watch is the Moser Streamliner, specifically the center seconds, although the Turbion is very neat. Uh, <laughs> Just, it's pretty okay. <laughs> specifically the Moser center seconds. I've got this up on my screen in that beautiful green ombre dial. Our good friend Blaine Townsend owns one of these. Um, it's a weird watch, right? It, it's got this sort of bionic man bracelet thing going on, semi-organic. It's got a case that's curvy in ways that you don't expect. Also over. octagonal. Yeah, octagonal, but round, but also square. Um, it's a, a, a an enigmatic handset, I think that's that's a good way to to put it. It is an ejecting um oh gosh, why don't I know words? A um <laughs> syringe. It's yeah. it's a syringe that's actually ejecting. It's it's, a re- it's like a red rocket. These are the red rocket hands. Yeah. <laughs> it's got That's the new name it has has been coined here. <laughs> you heard it here first. These are red rockets. <laughs> it's got this lovely I mean the one part of this watch that it's hard to argue with is that beautiful degradé, that green degradé, sunbursty dial. Uh, but then you get up to the minute track and you're like, wait, what is going on with the the minute? Uh, okay, I wasn't feeling it. However, there was a thing that happened when I tried this watch on where I was like, oh, I get it. Mm. It's sub 10 millimeters. I don't know exactly how thick it is, but I think it's nine and a half ish millimeters. Uh, It's got this phenomenal looking movement. Um, And it's just put together. I I mean, you put it on and you're like, everything is exactly, exactly in the place it should be. Fits together the way it should be. The polish, which you almost can't see on the bracelet, is... It's like a polished brush. It's completely epic. This watch is epic. It is, I think, one of the most beautiful, accessible watches that you could get. And I didn't realize it until I tried it on. And I was like, aha, Uh Aha. This is a watch that I've now got a crush on, a pretty big crush on. That was very much the way the Santos was for me. It's Mm -hmm. a watch that's just kind of like, oh, I don't, I mean, maybe. I can maybe see it. I can see what it does. But then the moment you put it on, you like, you actually see it. You're like, oh. Because that's what it takes. I almost picked that watch for one of, spoiler alert, I didn't, but I almost picked that watch for one of my selections tonight, your Santos that you're wearing on your wrist right now. Because I did not like that when I got into watches. I thought, no, this is not, this isn't it for me. No, because it's square and it has Roman numerals. Yeah. And and the, the Streamliner doesn't have Roman numerals. It has no numerals. It has simple markers. It's, it's not 
square. There's nothing no, square about nor it. Nor octagonal. Nor round. <laughs> the the bracelet is none of the things. It's like a modern Tag Heuer link bracelet almost. It's, it's like this perfect amalgamation of all of the things in watches. Mm-hmm. And it, in order to be successful in that execution, your execution has to be perfect. And, and I will and it, say it, it, these, it, these things aren't easy to come by. I think they sell on the gray market over retail. So it's, it's not a, it, it's not like a watch that they made and had trouble selling. This is a very popular watch in the quantities they've sold it. The demand exceeds. The I mean, there's production. probably a thousand of these in the world. Oh, I think they made more than more? that. I do. I think they made quite a few more than that. I don't know. I don't know what the production numbers are. are. I mean, you know, I don't know, Andrew. Honestly, yeah. uh, they could be. It could be a thousand. I'm not sure. I suspect it's more than that, though. Even so, I mean, this is one of those things that, because of how odd it is, and how you see its price from the retailer versus its accessible price you can confidently say there's something there. Yeah. And unfortunately, because I don't see it, but I'm pretty confident that if I were to try it on, I would see it. I, I think maybe. Yeah. Th- I also don't think this is a watch for you. I think it's... It's not a watch for me, but if I, I were to try it on, I would see it. It's. I, I think it reads 40 millimeters on paper, but... I would say it wears bigger than that. I would say it wears closer to 41 or 42. It looks pretty slabby because it's all dial. Yeah, one, it's it's square-ish, too. It's not square, but it's square-esque adjacent. Square adjacent. There's yeah. something happening. So, yeah, that's my first watch, the, the Moser and C Streamliner, the three-hand. That's an interesting pick. That's kind of the, that's, that's sort it, of the. Interesting is like, all right, whatever you say. No, that's <laughs> sort of the space that you exist in though. Is these really, and, and I, I, I've called you the, the curator Pokemon. The catcher. Pokemon curator. Yeah. <laughs> so you're an interesting hybrid of like, you want to catch all of the oddities and you'll see more of that as we go through our picks. I was going to say, you're doing some foreshadowing because I think my next watch <clears throat> is the most ever watch that's ever been made. Ever. Andrew, second watch. What do you got? For some reason, my page is reloading. Okay, so my next pick is the Seiko Arnie Pro Specs Tuna. And... There's a lot of reasons for this to be a ugly duckling for me. Number one, it's huge. It's a big boy. It's, it's enormous. It's 47 and a half millimeters. It's a big boy. It's an Anadigi, which I love. I love Anadigi. I love digital watches. There were some comments early in our existence People are like, whoa, Andrew, is that watch? I thought I just had a bunch of weird digital watches. (laughs) The answer to that is no. I do not just have a bunch of weird digital watches. I love digital watches, though. I love the technology. I love the story of this super cheap, nothing 
toppling these titans, like generation-old titans, and saying, oh, fuck you. <laughs> and somehow, like, it, it's one of the few, the and, I, and I, the very few David and Goliath technology stories right you you vary in the history of technology and mechanics and and consumer goods you very rarely have seen super cheap shitty things topple well-established technologically advanced things like imagine if the typewriter came out and toppled computers. That's sort of what we're dealing with in digital toppling the the mechanical watch, I think. Right? Mm. There's there's there, there that's a little bit of a hyperbole. Mm. But in the way of actual form and function, we take this very technically simple thing right there's a lot of super important and very valuable technology that goes into it but the importance right i mean i'm maybe not trying to capture maybe not landing it yeah you, you know i don't I, have I a think, great analogy for what we're getting at i think there's something a little different that happened with quartz you know in the in the 70s computers were exotic exactly and Quartz digital quartz watches in particular were emblematic of that exoticism, right? So there's there's a there was a, an impulse, I think, a, a draw to that yes. that we had we have trouble appreciating today. Yes, because of the simplicity of well, not uh, just that. Also better, objectively better, right? It, it's it not only is this exotic and futuristic and magic, but it's better. Yes. And a typewriter is never gonna crash on you. It's never gonna just mm. like give you the red ring of death. Mm. It's never gonna do that. I still think you've got it backwards, I but I, I think I, I, I can appreciate what you're saying, what right? If, yeah. I, there's something here. Yeah. I love, I love it. <clears throat> the other thing that I just couldn't wrap my head around on initial introduction was the shrouded case. Mm. And I totally got why the shrouded case was there. It made sense. But I also like didn't care. Like, okay, neat. Tried many on, was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Neat. Okay. So fast forward, fast forward five years. To a point where I now love these watches. I don't just love them because they're the Arnie. I love everything about it it's this odd indestructible it takes 316l steel and wraps it in more 316l steel with a whole other piece <laughs> of 316l steel and says 
I will protect you, 316L Steel. <laughs> I think these are the m- most absurd example of redundancy, and I love that strange ode to redundancy for no reason this is this is case on case time on time yes this is like i dug a basement illegally under my house to fill with food and then beneath that basement i dug another basement to fill with guns and ammunition (laughs) (laughs) i fucking love it I love the redundancy and and the value in that, right? Like I'm not I'm not saying you shouldn't dig two subterranean basements beneath your house for food and then guns and ammunition. Cuz you should. Cuz I don't think you shouldn't. Cuz of America and stuff. But also like do you need to? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. But when you need it, you need it. And that's what the Seiko Arnie is. When you need it, you fucking need it. And when you don't, you have it anyway, and it's awesome. You know who needed this watch? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Major Alan Dutch Schaefer needed this watch. Yes, he sure did. Uh, You know know why these episodes are hard for me, Andrew? Because you have to look at all the watches that you like and are like, or you don't like and like, oh, I actually like that. Or like, yeah. I don't know. I don't it, actually don't know. It, yeah, that that's why, basically. That you know, I, I loved <clears throat> this watch from the second I saw it. It was I I hated it. I love to even to this day, I hate that I love it. I I love the Ripley. I love mm. this watch. I love the Proprof. I, love, I loved the Ripley and the and the Proplof from the onset because they're just ridiculous. But I, they're I'm, meant to be ridiculous. This wasn't meant to be ridiculous. I love I love the ugly watches. My 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 Seiko or my Casio G Shock MRG titanium God, that everybody hates. I fucking hate. I I love the ugly, right? You you said it earlier. I'm the Pokemon not collector. Discerning Pokemon catcher. <laughs> the Pokemon curator. Um there's a certain there's a certain level of like my natural impulse is, is to find the unappreciated. I mean, what are you wearing right the now? The ugly ducklings. Uh, oh, so I, I do have an NWA for the show. I am wearing a watch from a company called County Com, AKA Meritech. Uh, County Com is a website that you may or may not have heard of uh check it out countycomm.com i believe is the website uh it's run by a dude and he makes shit uh you can find i believe carbon fiber combs and you need that but you also like titanium like belt buckles uh he just he makes cool edc shit and uh, a handful of years ago, I believe, I believe w- in collaboration with Casio, made a uh, G-Shock-ish watch called the, I believe it was called the Sop Mod or the Mill Shock. The Casio Mill Shock. It looks very much like a 5600. Mill Shock. Mill Shocker. Uh, the, he, last year... 
this is the this is what he says in a video about this. He was approached by a government to make watches, military issue watches. He does not disclose which country, uh, which military. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. That's the that's what he says. And that the product was they initially looked at reissuing the Milshock, and I think realistically, it sounds like they couldn't do it. It's just going to be too much money. <clears throat> And so what he did was remade that watch. It's called the Sop Mod 2, a.k.a. the Mil-S-9290, a.k.a. The 1.25 SPO-030722, a.k.a. the TDW watch, the throwdown watch. There's some redundancy there. I apologize. Um, I... I Look, if if you see a picture, you'll be like, "Oh, that's a that's a fifty six hundred clone." Nope. Except, <laughs> except that it is approximately one point three seven or one point seven five times larger than a fifty six hundred, and one point seven five times lighter. It's huge. Um, it's it's light. It's nice. It's also got lugs, which I dig. Um, and it's ridiculous. It's a $26 watch that doesn't make any sense. Um, and I have no reason to own, but I own. Um, it's enormous. It's super light. <laughs> it's 50 e- meters of water resistance. It's enormous. Doesn't have water resistance. I don't think it has shock resistance. Definitely not. Um, not for 26 bucks. Yeah, this is a bizarre watch, but I love it. I love it because it's weird. I'll tell you, it comes on a Maritac raft style strap with the titanium hardware, which is worth the price of admission. This is like a $19 strap. Yeah. Uh, I paid 26 for the watch. Right. I love it. $36 for shipping. It's super big. He didn't pay 36 for shipping. It's way. No, no. Okay. No, no. It's way too big. It's a, this watch doesn't make any fucking sense. Andrew. Mm -hmm. Not even a little bit, but you own it because you like it. Not only do I own it, I've been wearing it. Yeah. So it's the first not Foster I've seen you wear in a long time. These shows are hard for me because I like all the ugly watches. You I like can't. no, they're not ugly. You like weird watches. So my second watch is weird. <clears throat> it is weird. It's made out of titanium. Always a plus for me. It's made by Seiko. Plus. Also always a plus. It is a chronograph plus <laughs> it has not one, but four separate dials. Four so, entirely independent dials. <laughs> so this is, you probably already know what it is if you know if you know these watches. But this is a Seiko Sportura Kinetic SLQ007, which is the rarer, stronger, lighter brother to the SLQ. 009. The difference being the 007 or the 009 is made of steel. The 00, excuse me, 007 stainless steel. The 009 is made from titanium, which is the one I like. It's a big watch. It's a 40, 41 by 49 millimeter watch. As discussed, four separate dials. Um, it's ugly. It's got that, that very late eighties, nineties, Seiko curvy kinetic aesthetic. Um, these things are 
hard to find and yeah. cost way too much. If you find one of these in good shape, it's going to run you about $3,500 to $5,000. Do you know what I love about this watch? Tell me. A lot of watches, when you see a three-link or faux three-link bracelet, <clears throat> it's integrated into the lug or the end link. Seiko said, fuck all that shit. <laughs> Not this one. <laughs> Not this one. They beveled the case. I don't even know if you can call that a bevel so yeah. much as a step. They yeah. stepped the case to match the integrated bracelet such that you you have a 38 millimeter watch. 38 by uh by 13 millimeter watch encased by a 40 by 12 <laughs> millimeter watch it's the most bizarre alien thing like this this could be the ripley watch it could have been yeah this could have just it could have been just as appropriate as the ripley chronograph and i think that really speaks to what seiko was doing in that time frame in the way of pushing the envelope. They yeah. sort of missed on what the future held with a few of their offerings, but they put out so many skews. They cast that wide net. Yeah. Some of these are going to land. And well, some of them will eventually land, and some of them are just going to vanish. You know, Andrew, for me, I, I think this one lands. It eventually landed. Yeah. Right. It it maybe it maybe took a hard vertical bounce <laughs> and, and has eventually come back. Cause this is a super fucking cool watch. And you've never seen anything like it before or since. Yeah. You, you know, I think my favorite part of this watch, and even if you know this watch, you may not have ever picked up on this. The main three hand dial on the oh. It has a date, by the way. This I, I got sidetracked. This is not what I was about to talk about. It's got a date with a magnifier at the 4 o'clock position. But my favorite thing about this watch yeah. is the main timekeeping dial, the biggest <clears throat> of the four. Only slightly. Is a spark dial. So like I said, it, you may know this watch, but you've probably never acknowledged or noticed that the main dial is a spark dial, which I love. Um, look, I'll stop talking about this watch because if you hate this watch, you're and the font is trash. It just yeah. makes no sense. It, it, if you hate this watch, you're, you're fine. That's right. You should. But also this is an ugly duckling watch. For I did not like it. I was like, that's too, it's too much. No one should like this watch on first viewing. And then the more you look at it, you're like, oh, actually. Yeah. I better that get ass, that. though. I better get that. <laughs> so this is one of those. I will own this at someday. I'll own this. I, I need to get one before they get ridiculous. Um, you're sort of in that zone. They're there. Yeah. it's That's unfortunate. But um, I may consider getting one and, and trying to restore it because I might save some money. But. What Do you think the screws... 
What do you what do you think do, those are for? I, I think they're just as likely to actually be functional as they are to be completely decorative. Doesn't matter to me. No, they're all at different angles, which means that they serve a that function. That they turn. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do it, you think they removed just those, just that piece of the case? The plate? Yeah, like the yeah, exterior plate of the case. It's possible. It's possible. This is a cool watch. Check it out. The SQL007. And buy them uh, all up. Drive the price up. Excuse me. The SL, SLQ009 is the titanium. 007 is the steel version. Yeah. They're both really cool. Like, I, I mean, I wouldn't kick the steel version out of bed. No, but you want the titanium version in your bed. That's like a that that's like a merrier fuck kind of situation. Final watch, Andrew Go. Okay. Final watch. This is actually the easiest. This was my first pick. This is a watch that we had a similar experience with. Yeah. It's the Bell and Ross BR05. Bro. Yeah. The Bross. I saw this watch a lot, right? Bell and Ross is a known quantity. Bell and Ross is a thing. Bell and Ross is kind of a thing that's like easy to make fun of because thing just kind of yeah. And I and I sort of like I like I always I understood why people like them. You know what my favorite part about this watch is? Hmm. Well, my favorite part about this story is I went to wind up in 2021 mm-hmm. and you weren't able to go. Mm-hmm. At the same time that the wind up watch event is held, there's also an event at Gotham Hall in New York called Watch Time, mm-hmm. which is something we've talked about on the show. It, it's it's a watch show with a, a bit higher degree of watches. So more expensive, more money, just nicer watches. They're serving McAllen. Yeah, that's right. They're serving. <laughs> that's right. You can go upstairs, get your free McAllen. Uh, so it's McAllen 12, but it's still McAllen. <laughs> my first experience with this watch in person was in 2021 after coming back from watch time. And I believe I came back and on this show ranted a little bit about how much I loved this watch. Mm -hmm. And you gave me a blank stare for much of my rant. Yeah. Approximately one year later, almost to the day we went to New York together. Andrew, Mm -hmm. we did. I'll let you take the story from here. So we went to New York together. Don't pause me. I like that. I need this delay because this is like a little bit of, of pride eating twice now in the show. Uh, so I've always just kind of like up to a point. I just kind of didn't. And I was like, oh, okay. It's a big ass square watch with a round dial. Sort of don't get it. You know, prep them to go to wind up and watch time. I'm like, I'm excited to try this watch on because there there must be something here. There, no watch is in 
a catalog that there's nothing there. I might not get it. And that's totally okay. Because I'm not a smart guy. Nor do I have great taste. Me not getting it is not a good indicator of something's good or badness. But I really didn't get this watch. And, and because I knew I would get to see one, I was kind of excited. And we go to watch time. Cruise to Bell and Ross's little table. Talk to a couple ladies who don't speak English. Handsome ladies. Yeah, very handsome ladies who just, they, they speak just enough English to like get there. And I put the BRO5 on my wrist. And like a lightning bolt, I get it. This watch fits perfectly. It hit me very much in the same way the Santos did. <clears throat> Where I put it on and I'm like, man, this watch fits perfectly to my wrist. Though it is a chunk and a block of steel, it curves around my wrist like any other round watch I've worn like every other well-built, designed, for-the-people watch. And suddenly I got it. I got why this watch existed and continues to remain in existence. I got why it costs $5,000. I got it all at once, like a bolt of lightning. This is probably not... no. This is a watch I would not buy. But this is a watch I would very much like to have. And wish I could have it. It's wildly comfortable. The bracelet was phenomenal, even unsized. It, I just, I, I don't get it. I still don't get it. Because <laughs> I don't particularly like this watch, but I also love this watch. It was amazing. It's an enigma to me. It was that comfortable. It was that well finished that it's it's a watch that at $5,000 that I don't love, I still want. Y yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I I love it. I love the watch. It, it this was the watch I fell in love with the diamond version of this watch, <laughs> which is outrageous. I'm not a diamond watch guy. No, but that was the one for me. And, You're an and, orange plastic watch guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, look, it, it's a tough watch. Uh, it's a tough watch to understand, and then you put it on, and you're like, ah, no, oh, there it is. I get it. I got it. Because it's it. thick and it's chunky. Yeah, you, you but know, but it's not. I do think that this watch should be about a millimeter thinner than it is. It for for me to really, if it was a millimeter thinner, really be in love with this watch, it would be about a millimeter thinner. It would be problematic for me. Yeah, I would. I would. And at, at three millimeters thinner, I would. I would buy this watch. My Which, final watch. I'm ready for it. I have a friend, Andrew. His name is Brian. I'll leave it at that. B 
Brian is a. I may have talked about Brian on this show we've, before. We've talked about Brian and his. <coughs> I sneezed. Um, Brian and his story. Brian's an enigma. Brian took took the LSAT in a tent in Afghanistan. He left a six figure investment banking job to become and a private, a literal private, even though he could have been a specialist in the 82nd Airborne. Uh, he is a Second Amendment nut, but also Black Lives Matter protester. He is a one of the best criminal defense attorneys I've ever met. He's I bombastic. I appreciate that I've never gone against him. He will buy shots of Pappy for everyone at the table at the bar at 4.30 when you weren't planning to drink Pappy. Uh, he's just, he's bigger than life. He is like an ankle bracelet on him to know where he's drinking. He's bigger than life. He is. He's He's also a big dude. And he's a big dude. He's got like a $10,000 hi-fi system. I don't know what kind of music he likes. Uh, he's an EDM guy. He is a, he's a dude. Brian's a dude, but this is a man who, when he was a six figure investment banker before nine 11, uh, had a, a Breitling, uh, a, a fantastic super ocean that I really like. And that he tracks that he, perfectly tracks. He subsequently bought a two tone bluesy sub. He's got a, uh, a handful of very lovely watches. And about a year ago, I'm his guy, right? He like messages me like, Oh, this is what I'm thinking about buying. Uh, about about a year ago, he messaged me and said, I want a Breitling Avenger Chronograph GMT 45. Now, <laughs> I was like, hold on. No, you, you don't. You said a lot of things right there. No, no, you don't. And he's like, well, I don't understand why. And I was like, I just don't think you want that watch. I, I don't think, A, it, you know, it, it's, I don't think you want that watch. And so we kind of talked through it. And he's like, well, I still think I want it. I was like, well, then fucking buy it. You're not going to. If you didn't question your intent to buy, you wouldn't have asked me. That's right. I don't think he bought that watch. So we started talking about things he wanted. And we got to a weird place. Because I recommend watches to people all the time. This happens regularly. You you too, Andrew, I'm sure. I do. Many of the people listening to the show will be in a similar position from time to time. Someone will say, I need a watch. You'll make a recommendation. I have never had one of those conversations that ended at Panerai. No, nor will you ever again. Nonetheless, at the end of the day, Brian and I ended on an 80-hour Panerai. A big fucking Panerai. And It's not big for Panerai. It was during that conversation that I fell in love with Panerai. Yo. Do you know that I have been signing you and Will up for Panerai and Hublot newsletters like, <laughs> I don't know, every other week for about a year? I, I didn't know that, but thank you for that. That's why you've been getting them. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, look, so so we we got to... The three-day Panerai. This is a this is a totally beautiful watch. Uh, it's it's maybe not the watch I would buy. Do you know if if not for the Crown Guard, I'm I'm there. I've I've settled on 
a regular old Luminor Marina 44 millimeter as the watch for me. This is probably the quintessential Panerai when you talk about Panerai. It is. Uh, the Luminor Marina is the one. And never have I ever, as it were, uh, thought, gosh, I'm going to be spitting, but I've got a crush, much like much like the Moser. Uh, I've got a crush. The problem with the Panerai is I might like actually buy this watch. I'm not big enough. I'm not bombastic enough. I think I I I believe you are bombastic enough, but maybe not. But not big enough. But not big I don't enough. think I don't think you have the size. Uh, I I think you go. <clears throat> I think you could pull it off on a bracelet though. I got a crush, man. I got a crush. I think she'd talk to you, man. This is I, so so. I don't know that this watch is classically ugly. No, right? it is. But when you when you understand how big it is, that it's a 44 millimeter bloated square with a weird crown guard spring release system thing uh, that's that's virtually all dial, by the way. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's, it's 43 and a half millimeters of dial. This is a big fucking watch, man. No reason for me to like this. I like small watches. I want this watch. Yeah. I want this watch, Andrew. But you like them thick also, and I, I get it. <laughs> and a, honestly, if, if you could... True story. If you dremeled off the totally enclosed crown guard on these, nope. I'm there. I, I'm I there the with crown you. Guard. But I, I, don't, I don't like the totally enclosed crown guard. Yeah. And I, 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 I understand technically... You want Why? the base. You want the base Pam two ten, with the with the regular old onion crown. Yeah, yeah. No, I want the crown guard. I, Give, can, I, I, I want it all. Go go big. Well, go big and, or go and if you're gonna spend you know eight thousand dollars, eight to ten thousand dollars on a watch, I yeah, you go big. Yeah. But when you get to create your own watch at eight thousand dollars, you do you. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Which is why I'll never own a Panerai. I cannot confidently. I can't, that. I yeah, can't confidently say the same. Uh, so that's it. That's my third watch. It, it, you know, I, I think the Panerai Panerai is maybe slightly less ugly than the other watches. You, you know, this is a beloved watch. It's the less. It's the. It's the least weird. Yeah. Of your watches, and and it was the most surprising to me because you are a, a weird watch guy, and and. But also at the same time, I was sort of expecting your watches to be much more middle of the road of watches you'd come to appreciate. Sure, like I'd go the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, like, I like weird things. But these are the not weird watches that I like now. But this Amy Adams right here, <laughs> for some reason, sure. It just does it for me. Yeah. And I'll be like, yeah. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. No. But no, you went like, you went deeper. Go big. Go into the go hard into the oddities. But for the Panerai, which is, 
I think that's kind of an ugly duckling for everyone. The, yeah. the first time you see it, you're like, no, what is that? And why is that? And then you kind of like warm up to it and you're like, oh, actually, I'm okay with that. I got I got a crush. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Andrew, I think we've done it. As we usually do. Is there anything else we want to say about our ugly, ugly duckling watches today? No, I'm out of things. In that case, the time has come for other things. <clears throat> Andrew, what do you got? I have another thing. I'm glad for that because that's what time we're that's what time it is. So I'm glad. More than ten years in the making. Damn. There is a show hosted by stars called Party Down. Now, this is a show that uh, I was introduced to by you and our good friend Tommy, who has been on this show. And I was introduced to it when he was house-sitting a house near my house in college. And we went over to said house because it had a hot tub. And we got tatered on a brand of tequila called Ka, K-A-H, which could well be another thing (laughs) in and of itself. But we got tatered drinking Ka tequila, sitting in the hot tub. We returned from said hot tub. And Tommy said, have you seen the show called Party Down? And you and I said, no. Nope. And he turned on Party Down on Stars. And it is a show with super familiar faces now. Not so not at two, the time. Yeah. Not so in 2009. Adam Scott, Rob Thomas, Fred Savage, Paul Rudd, Dan Etheridge, Brian Gordon. Yeah. Sorry, household name walk of the walk of like Hollywood walk of fame stardom. <laughs> Ken Marino, Lizzie Kaplan. All of them. There Martin is n- Starr, Jane Lynch. No one in Megan Mullally. Sh- none of <laughs> the main characters in the show will you not recognize now. J.K. Simmons. In 2009, you they were all relatively fresh faces. Oh, Kevin Hart, Ken Jeong. The whole premise of the show is a catering company in L.A., of a bunch of people who are trying to make it in Hollywood or have given up trying to make it in Hollywood, which is really funny when you consider the context of the show being made and the people being cast for it. Each episode is one of their catering events. It ran two seasons. And then in 2023, well, 2021, it was revived. 2022, they filmed. 2023, they released the 10 years later season. I haven't watched it yet because it just recently became available on Stars, like in the last three days. 
So I paid for a Stars subscription on Hulu. <laughs> as you do. As one would do. I'm rewatching the first two episodes or the first two seasons to catch up, to prime myself for season three. Even without a season three, this is a, a reasonable other thing. But yeah. we've got three seasons of a bingeable television show available to you on Hulu for about $5. Well worth the price of admission. It is hysterical. It's that like peak 2009, 2010 comedy that's like would not be on television now, but that we all really laugh at. Because it's horrifying and also funny. Because it kind of reminds you of a time when it was like, it was okay to say those things. (laughs) And man, it really should not have been. It was funny when they said it. I'm sort of glad it was. Yeah. I loved the show. And about two years ago when they announced that there was going to be another season, I was elated. And then I kind of forgot about it. And recently when I saw that the recent, the most recent season and probably the last season was available, I subscribed to stars for the month. You're going to have to, you're going to have to, I'll I'll follow up at the conclude, like probably next week. I'll get through it next weekend. And I'm so excited because it's all the, it's the main players. They're all back. And that's a super rare thing for 10 years later for all of the cast to come back and be like, yeah, I'm ready to party. Shit. They can't even make a hangover four because Ed Helms is like, I don't want to do it. (laughs) Bradley Cooper's too busy, but. Yeah, he is too busy, man. But that's my other thing. Is this really awesome show that even without its third modern season would be totally worth it for a $5 subscription to stars for the month? Wonderful. Good choice. I'm here for it. Andrew, I've got another thing. Do me. Uh, have I talked about my my slipper issues recently? You have not. You know, I You're wearing some nice mocks right now. I'm I'm actually a little surprised you wore them across the street. I uh, wouldn't wear those across the street. <laughs> so I oh, long ago I bought my first pair of grown-up slippers. This is gosh, I, I would say this was 2008. And I bought a pair of Ugg Byron slippers. We have talked about those. And they were great. They were mm-hmm. shearling lined. They were kind of a suede a rough out uh, type of leather. They're great. I had them for a long time. I wore them. uh, They were a little warm, you know, whatever. But so are the ones you're going to talk about. In 2015 or thereabouts, I bought a pair of glare-ups. I think that's how you say that, which is a boiled wool slipper and i really liked them and i wore the shit out of them but for for whatever reason i just you know they wore out this last year and they wore out catastrophically that's a good lifespan for a slipper it is a good lifespan and i i genuinely considered going back in but there was something about i said you know this isn't slipper for me i want to i want to branch out and i think L.O. Bean is a company that's famous for his slippers. Mm-hmm. I have had a pair of their Wicked 
shearling lined slippers, which I know you wear. I wore. They, they also had a catastrophic failure. I, I think that the quality on those is not very good. I think they changed about three years ago because I had a pair and then the subsequent year, Kim had a pair. And hers broke. Hers blew out. Really like, quickly. The, like. Kim being my wife. Yeah. The woman I sleep with. Next to. And with. Okay. <laughs> uh, maybe I had mine a couple years earlier because hers blew out before mine. And I was like, no, dude, mine are still in good shape. Hmm. And then when they blew out, it it was like catastrophic. All systems fail. Mm-hmm. Like one soul was falling off. The other one was like erupting on the, it was just, it was catastrophic. So the wicked slippers were out and I went online. You guys aren't alone, right? These things are breaking and they used to be a great slipper. I don't think they are. There's a couple of brands. Mini Tonka is one. Ugg is still a very good option. They're the, yeah. There were a handful of slippers that I went back and forth on and it just, I wasn't feeling it. And eventually through my research, uh, oh, I also went to Bombas. Bombas has a slipper sock that Will Gillis, the editor-in-chief mm-hmm. of The Watch Clicker, speaks very highly of. I considered those. They're inexpensive. They're kind of... Yeah, yeah, but no, I want I, I want something serious. I, yeah, I, want, at a, I want a soul. I want to be able to walk across the street. I, will, I looked at a few British brands. Anyway, I, slipper people. I finally came back to L.O. Bean. Mm-hmm. And I read a review of the Ello Bean. Hold on, let me get it right. Men's leather double sole slippers, shearling lined. There you go. Four point so, five stars with a hundred with eight hundred and thirty-seven reviews. These are a these are a uh, hard out um, leather. So unlike the wicked slippers, which are which are rough out. Um, these are a traditional sort of like leather material. They've got a leather sole. They're shearling lined, but it's not a thick shearling. It's a pretty thin shearling. It was just my bitch with Ella Bean is they were way too hot. Way too hot. For like six months. So I I picked these up and man, I got to tell you, I'm kind of in love. I'm kind of in love with these things. I've been wearing them now for about three weeks and... I found my new slipper, man. Okay. The double sole leather shearling lined. They also make these in an unshearling lined version. So just just a leather mock, a leather mock slipper. I I think that that would be a problem for me because it would stink. I think you'd have to wear those it, with socks. You, yeah, that's like a bow shoe, which is fine. You could do that. Uh, I, I like to not wear socks when I'm in my house. That's right. That's right. So. I picked these up. I've had them for three weeks and they're everything I hoped they would be. I got new slippers and I think I'll probably wear these for five or six years and then I'll decide they weren't good enough and I'll look for the and next they'll thing. Ex- and, and they will explode catastrophically the yeah. same way any other, because they're boat shoes, yeah, right? Well, they're, let, they, let's hope they don't <clears throat> explode catastrophically. I would I like know. that they, if they, they didn't. They, if they had a rubberized sole, they would just, they would look like any other boat shoe. I will say I, uh, when I got these, they're polished. It's like polished leather, like waxed polished leather. When I got them, I put them on and I borderline couldn't stand up. 
they were so <laughs> slippery. I, so it, uh, it took them about a day of wear before I could like walk around the house without like falling on my ass. I bet if you hit them with a conditioner, they would last a little bit longer. But it, from, yeah, I will condition them. My concern is the is the seams, even even double stitched. Yeah, we'll see. The, the seams are certainly the most likely place of failure. So and we'll I, see. In, in the rough side out, my I actually I didn't have issues with seams until the very end. Yeah. But I had a lot of issues with the leather breaking. So we'll see. I got new slippers and I love them so far. Here a month in. I was like, yep, these are the ones. Those are some some handsome slippers. <laughs> Andrew, alas, here we are. Have you got anything else to say? I could do without the leather faux lace bow shoe look. It is what it is. It is. But I, I bet they're cozy as fuck. I take that to mean nothing else. That's it. Hey, uh, I'd like to just quickly thanks you guys for uh, joining us for this episode of 40 and 20 of the Watch Clicker podcast. Thanks. Uh, why don't you do, do us a favor? Check us out on our website, which is watchclicker.com. It's where we post every single episode of this podcast, as well as articles, reviews, and we've had some bangers lately. Some banger reviews. We got to go through those perhaps next week. You can also check us out on our socials on Instagram at 40 and 20 underscore watchclicker and at watchclicker. We have pictures. We got information about the things we're talking about on the website, etc., etc. If you want to support us, and and we genuinely hope you do, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. That is how we fund this entire operation and is our primary source of income. That's how we pay for hosting, software, hardware, etc. And it's a lot. For all of you who are already supporting us, thank you so much. And if you're not, check it out. You don't have to give much. Just a little bit would really help. And don't forget to check us out next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. <laughs>